Welcome to Role-Playing History, the podcast where we examine the history of role-playing games. I'm Wayne Davis, and I'll be your tour guide for today's episode. Episode 9, I Want to Play. To this point, we've had eight regular episodes of the podcast, plus a bonus episode covering some of the terms used in role-playing games. Over the past two months, we've picked up a small but ever-growing audience. However, I've noticed through comments made to me through our various sources that not all of our listeners are regular gamers. In fact, I've gotten tweets from several listeners who weren't gamers before they started listening, but are interested in gaming now. There's also a group of folks who want a game, know how to game, but don't have a game to play in. So with all of that in mind, I decided to put together an episode designed to help out both groups. Cool? Ready? Here we go. If you've decided you want to be a gamer, there are a few things you want to think about right off the top. First off, which game do you want to play? Now that might not sound like a hard question, but knowing what you're interested in learning to play will impact your learning. I mean, not everybody is a D&D person, as hard as that might be for me to admit. I've met people who've never played the game and are completely unapologetic about it. So what are your other choices? Look, I know we've covered a lot of games so far in the podcast, but there are literally hundreds more out there. If you like it, there's probably a game for it. Star Wars? Yep. Star Trek? Yep. Doctor Who? Yep. Harry Potter? Sure thing. Lord of the Rings? You know it. Underwater basket weaving? Probably. I mean, literally, if you like it, there is a game for it out there somewhere. So at that point, you're going to need to get the rules for the game you want to play. So how would you go about doing that? All right, you probably figured that one out, but your first thought probably wasn't mine. I'm a firm supporter of your friendly local neighborhood game store, so that's where I'd check first. You might have to pay a little bit more, but in my experience, the staff at your local game store really tend to understand the games, and they can help you hone in on the game that might be best for your interests. Now, if you don't have a friendly local neighborhood game store, try a comic shop. Not necessarily the same level of game-specific knowledge, but a lot of them also carry gaming gear, so with that, there should be a little knowledge of games as well. Next up, bookstores. Bookstores tend to have some games, but their selection tends to be only those that sell best. So that means a lot of D&D, Shadowrun vampire and and whatever the the new flavor of the month game is that that somebody's convinced them's going to sell big so what it means is you're going to really sacrifice your game selection for accessibility now if you have to use a source other than a game store to give yourself a good idea of what you want to play you can always utilize the the good old internet punch in a subject followed by the words tabletop role-playing game you should get an idea of the games that are available in that subject, i.e. Western-themed role-playing game. Do that, it'll give you an idea of what you're looking for as you get out and shop. Now, if all else fails, Amazon carries a huge selection of role-playing games and supplies. I don't tend to promote them for a whole lot of reasons, some of which are personal, but I will note that when I've ordered from them, I have never had any issues with any of the materials I've gotten. Okay, once you've chosen your game and you get your book, you need to read. I mean, I'm, I'm not sitting here saying you need to read it like a scholarly text. Take your time. Role-playing is supposed to be fun. 
So if you treat it like it's fun, it should stay that way. Keep the pressure low. Again, if you're feeling pressured to do something, that's no fun. That defeats the purpose. Rinse, lather, repeat. I would also note that YouTube tends to have a ton of how-to videos on playing various role-playing games. So if you want to take the language of the game book you're reading and translate it into understandable English, you can search your game there and see if there are videos about it. For example, I'm going to use D&D because, it, again, best-selling game in the world, a absolute ton of videos about it online. Trust me, you can go to 13 different uh, role-playing channels for D&D on YouTube and find 15 different suggestions on how to play the game. And when I say translate your book into understandable English, if you've ever read a role-playing book, you know what I mean. Okay? Just trust me on this. Now, I do want to caution you about something. While there's a lot of really qualified folks out there doing good videos, you might wind up with a lot of competing advice, kind of like I just said. In my opinion, the best videos are from folks like Matt Mercer and Matt Colville, who admit up front that their way isn't the only way but it's the best way they've found to do it. And quite frankly, I have to say, 95% of the how-to D&D videos I've seen online, that's pretty much what they tell you. you know, they may not say it in those exact words, but they're always honest about saying, well, this is what I've found, or this is what we've found. You know, your own results may vary. You always want to hear that. If somebody's trying to tell you, no, this is the only way, this is the only way it works, uh-uh, nope, move on to the next one. Don't need to listen to somebody who's so incredibly full of themselves. They're not going to listen to a second opinion. Uh, crap, don't let my wife hear that. Anyway, use YouTube, but use it wisely. Now, another thing that I do when I'm reading game rules that helps me learn them is create characters. In my opinion, one of the best ways to learn how the rules work is to create a character. It forces you to pay attention to the rules and it causes you to understand why things do what they do in that particular game. Over the years, I have created literally thousands of characters that never saw gameplay. A great number of those were created as I read over new game rules so that I could learn the basics. Oh, <laughs> silly me. All this means you're going to need dice, too. You can get those at the same place you got your book. Now, make sure you know what dice you're going to need for the game. I mean, if you're playing something like Vampire, you're going to only need 10-siders, so you just need to buy those, but you're going to want to buy 5, 6, maybe 10 of them. D&D, uh, on the other hand, requires 20, 12, 10, 8, 6, and 4-siders, so you're going to need to buy those. Fortunately, the various die companies like Chessix, they sell those in sets, so it makes it real easy to get a full set in one purchase. Also, I would note your friendly local neighborhood game store and a great number of your comic stores these days sell dice in bulk. They got them in the bins like you used to have candy at the, you know, the dime store when we were kids. You know, remember that? Damn, you're young. But okay, for those that are my age that get it, they got the little bins and you can actually pick out the 20s you want and so on and so forth. So something to think about. And I just wanted to note that the dice companies like Chessix, who I mentioned, they have websites and often they have really good deals online on dice. So if you want to buy a lot of dice rather than just one set, go check out the manufacturer's site. Okay, back to the point I was making. This reading and learning the system thing, it's going to take however long it takes. In my opinion, you'll never completely understand the game until you've played through it multiple times. So don't really sweat it. Understand it just well enough to start playing and then start playing. 
you'll learn the rest as you go. Okay, that kind of brings up another point. How do you find a game? I mean, you want to play, but maybe you don't know anybody who lives near you who plays. So that means you need to find a game. Well, if, again, if you have a game shop or a comic shop near you, start there. Most of the game shops I've been in over the years either run games on site or they allow groups to play on site. So you might be able to get into one of those games if they're playing what you want to play. I'd also note most game shops and comic shops also have information boards for players looking for games and games looking for players. So check those if your shop has one. And if your shop doesn't, see if they'd be willing to let you post a note someplace for people that come in. You'll find more often than not, they will be willing. All right, let's say you've tried that, but you still can't find a game. What next? Hey, if you've got a college or university near you, try the student center. Gamers and game groups on campus often play in the student center. And even if they don't, much like the game and comic shops, sometimes they have notice boards. Okay, so you've tried that and that didn't work. Does your town have a community center? Try the same process there. Oh, and I'd note that if any of these places has some sort of notice board, if you can't find what you're looking for, put your own notice on there that you're looking for a game. Sometimes people will come in and check the board, even if they're not actively looking for gamers. If they see you, they might contact you, or if a group winds up needing a player, you kind of get where I'm going with this. Now, if all of that fails, and you have a bit of tech savviness about you, which you're listening to this podcast, so obviously you do, you can always search for a game online. Now, this can come in two ways searching for an in-person game to play, or searching for a game to play where they play it online. There are sites online that work similar to Jobs Wanted boards, but for gamers. Two examples of these are rpggamefind.com and findgamers.us. And yes, I'll put them down in the info. You can check it out. The other option is playing a game with other gamers online. Look, players have been playing games online since the dawn of the internet. Hell, before the internet, there were people who would play games by mail. Imagine having to wait a week or so to figure out what you need to do next or what happened to your character. People literally did this back in the day, okay? Anyway, online gaming is pretty easy, and you can use any number of free online programs to play. However, I got to warn you, if you're joining an established online group, they're going to have a certain program or system that they use, and you're going to have to use that to play with them, which means you're probably going to have to shell out a couple bucks to play. Now, there's one other option if none of these sound particularly appealing to you. Run your own game. Look, I, I know, I know exactly what you're thinking, but, but Wayne, I just barely learned how to play this damn game. How do I run it? Hear me out. If you're going to run, that means you're going to pick the players. So in this case, I'd suggest getting friends or family members to play with you, provided, of course, they're interested. It will give all of you the chance to learn how to play this game together. Plus, every game system has either a section in its rulebook or an entirely separate book for game masters. True, it might mean shelling out a few more bucks for another book, but in the long run, it will be worth it. I can I already hear your next question, but, but I just learned the rules. 
how do I create an adventure for all of us to play? Settle down there, Tiger. It's an easy answer. Nearly every game system out there has published adventures for it, tailored to the character level of the party. For popular best-selling games like D&D, you can get some of those practically everywhere. For others, that will require a game shop or a search online. If you have the game book, go to the website of the publisher. They almost always have supplemental materials for sale there, and adventures are considered supplemental materials. You can also look online. The spread of the internet has allowed for us gamer geeks to fly our flag in a number of ways, and getting our adventures out for our favorite games to the masses is just another way of doing that. Just remember that for a beginning party, you want a first-level adventure. You can purchase more as your party gains levels, or if you wind up not liking what's out there, you can work up your own adventures. There are literally dozens of YouTube video series out there for Game Masters. The one I swear by, and have mentioned on this podcast on more than one occasion, are the Running the Game videos from Matt Colville. Look them up. I like them because he doesn't preach, he doesn't tell you that his way is the only way, and his videos tend to be very easy to consume in a single viewing. Of course, I usually watch three or four at a time, but that's just me. Matt Mercer, the DM for the Critical Role game, also has several series of videos on YouTube about running games and playing games. I haven't watched them all, I have to admit that. But what I've watched, I've liked. And a guy who is as creative as he is has to have some good ideas, right? Right. One other thing that I do need to tell you, since I just mentioned Critical Role. If you watch Critical Role, or if you watch any of the the live stream game feeds that are out there, you may look at it and you may say, that's what a role-playing game is supposed to be. That's exactly what it's supposed to be like. <laughs> look, in the instance of Critical Role, no. Those are professional actors. Those are professional, creative people. Okay, This is what they do. Character voices, they do that. You know, writing this amazing dialogue, and in some cases coming up with this amazing dialogue off the top of their head, that's what they've trained for years to do. It is their stock and trade. Same with Dimension 20. These are professionals. These are people that do this for a living. Don't expect your game to be like that, because if you expect your game to be like that, when it isn't like that, you're going to be highly disappointed. Expect your game to be a lot of moments of just joking around, screwing around, having fun. A lot of moments of nobody knows what the hell that rule particular thing is, and you're going to have to look it up. Long stretches of people that don't know what the hell they want to do, so they're going to have to think about it for a minute. That's okay. That's game night. That's my game night. Every other Saturday night. We've been doing it for 21 years, but I'll get to that in a minute. I'm just saying, keep your expectations low. As long as everybody's having fun, then the game is exactly what the game's supposed to be. Okay, so with all that, if I had to recommend a game for a new gamer to play, I'd go with D&D 5th Edition. My reasons for this are thus. One, it's incredibly easy to learn how to play. I mean, really easy to learn. So if you've never gamed before, you should be ready to go pretty quick. Two, you can buy the books anywhere. As the top-selling game system for nearly 50 years, it's carried pretty much everywhere you can buy books and I mean, I've seen bookstores that wouldn't know a role-playing game from a mechanics manual carry D&D books. In fact, I've seen D&D box sets at Walmart and Target. So there you go. Three, it has a ton of digital support. 
D&D Beyond is the one-stop shop for online help, though YouTube has a ton of videos as well, so you won't be at a loss if you're trying to learn. Four, the basic set rules are available online for free. You can access the PDF legally through D&D Beyond. Five, yeah, five, it has a ton of published adventures. So no matter your party's level, there's an adventure. Plus, the DM's Guild, which is hosted by Wizards of the Coast, has a ton of non-official adventures on it that are either low-cost or free. And finally, if you don't mind using digital dice, there are dozens of apps for your phone or tablet that would allow you to roll dice digitally so you don't have to shell out money on dice. Oh, I guess I could have mentioned that earlier, but I, I just thought about it, so I put it here. Sorry about that. So if you do it this way, you could try out D&D for free, and if you like it, then you can shell out the money for the, the full rule sets and more books. Okay, so you've picked the game. For our purposes, let's say you're going to host the game. Doesn't mean you're running it. You've just decided to allow these crazy nerds into your house to play the game. What kind of setup do you need? All right, we all know the gaming stereotype. It's a bunch of virgin nerds in a dimly lit basement. <laughs> yeah, I know, but that reality, it's 99 times out of 100 really different, okay? Short answer to that question is use what works best for your group. I've seen kitchen or dining room tables used for the game. You can do that so long as you have enough space around the table for everybody to sit relatively comfortably, plus enough space on the tabletop for dice, notepads, maps, or, or tablets, iPads, and computers, depending on how you go. It works if you've got the space. I've played games in the living room as well. The disadvantage here is I know folks who fall asleep if they get too comfy. But if it's the option that you have that works best, go with it. You figure out how to make that work. Oh, and I cannot stress this enough. Regardless of where you game, make sure you have the house rules in place up front. What are house rules? Seriously? All right, let's do it. If food and drinks are only allowed in certain places, make sure everybody knows what those places are. Also, if you have a preference about coasters, make sure people know. In other words, if you have things that you do in your house that you expect other people to do, make sure the group knows. This also applies to food. If you have allergies, make sure the group knows. Your group also needs to decide whether you're just bringing in snacks and drinks or if people are going to bring meals with them or are you going to cook a meal as a group and have snacks. That needs to be decided up front. And believe me, that may seem obvious, but I have seen games shut down for like hours at a time because multiple people need to call for food about the same time. And some people are going to have their stuff delivered, but some people got to drive 45 minutes to an hour round trip to go pick it up. If you work all this stuff out in advance, you will have fewer frustrations down the line. Another thing that needs to be decided is how often you're going to game and how long your sessions are going to last. In my current group, over the past 21 years, we've gone from gaming every other Sunday for 8 to 10 hours, to gaming every Friday for 4 to 5 hours, to gaming every other Saturday for 8 hours or so, to our current format of every other Saturday for about six hours or so. Look, a lot of that has to do with the normal process of getting older, getting married, having kids, having 
real adult jobs and, and all of that that goes with that. I mean, 21 years, literally. We've gone from, you know, four of us anyway, have gone from being 27 to 48. So there you go. However, your group might have some different ideas about when to game and how long to game. So you all need to talk about it. You need to hash it out and you need to be on the same page. There is nothing worse than somebody thinking this is going to be an eight hour game night and everybody else was only thinking four. Trust me, you save a lot of pissed off people and hurt feelings if you work it out in advance. And I have to admit, while I say eight to ten hours, we really rarely gamed for all of that time. When we gamed for that amount of time, we scheduled a dinner break when we'd break and either cook or send a couple people out for food. Sometimes we'd eat before we got back to gaming. Sometimes we'd eat while we were gaming. Again, these are all things you can discuss. And you might work it out one way and then decide later you want to try it another way. Hey, that's cool, as long as everybody's on the same page. That being said, I also want to note, there's a pretty good chance during your game, somebody in your group is going to get off topic. Somebody thinks of something non-game related and they feel the need to discuss it. And then that's just going to take the entire session off course. Because, of course, it is... In my game, it's usually somebody makes a comment, and then it's the classic, that's what she said. Yeah, we're all 12 years old. Okay, go with it. If it happens in your, your game, don't sweat it. Just roll with it and try to get the group back on track and, and just you know wind it down and get moving. One other thing I do want to mention, though, in, in that off-topic conversation, don't be doing things that intentionally make other people uncomfortable. That should go without saying, but I'm going to say it anyway. Just because you think it's funny, just because you think it's appropriate, doesn't necessarily mean that everybody you're gaming with is going to think it's appropriate. Now, the group that I game in, the core four of us have been friends for like close to 35 years. We know what we can say to the other people without pissing them off. However, when I have gamed in games with groups of people that maybe I just met that day, trust me, what I say at a table is way different. Way, way different. So keep that in mind. One other thing that I want to note is that early on, especially if you're new to gaming, you're going to be stopping and starting a lot. There's going to be a ton of rule questions that need to be answered. The, the DM's going to want to look up certain things to see that they work, and, and, and that's going to be the so on and the so forth. Again, don't sweat it. Just make sure everybody's on the same page and that people try to stay focused while these little detours get resolved. And really, there is a way to get through some of it. Okay, you don't necessarily have to look every single thing up. If all of you are agreed, yeah, this is how it works. Do it that way. Okay, if you find out later that's not how it worked, then if you and the group as a whole decide, okay, we're going to actually do it this way because it's what the, the book says, then do it that way. If you like it better the way you guys agreed to the first time, keep it there. It's a house rule. Do that. You'll find early on that saves you some time. Later on, it saves you some time, too. But like I said, backing up, if you're more comfortable just looking it up, then do that. Understand those breaks are going to happen. It can also be understood, maybe, that while somebody's looking that up, if it's going to be a couple minutes, not a bad time, maybe for a potty break, smoke break if you've got smokers, go grab a glass of water or something. We do that a lot in my game. Just make sure, again, that everybody's on the same page. I know I keep repeating a lot of the same lines over and over and over again. I, I do that for a reason. Because at the end of the day, the only thing that really matters is that everybody is having fun.
okay? To me, that's the cardinal rule here. If it ain't fun, stop doing it. If it stresses you out, stop doing it. If you can't stand these people that you're gaming with, stop gaming with them. Find another group. Trust me, there are other fish in that sea, okay? So, as I'm bringing this episode to a close, I want to throw out one more thing. If you've got questions about any of this or questions I didn't address, hit me up at any of the usual places and I will do my best to answer it. Matter of fact, if you hit me up on Twitter, you post that out there, you're going to get a lot more responses probably than just me because the Twitter page is picking up a lot of followers and a lot of followers in the game business. So hit us up. We'll do the best we can to answer your questions. So that brings this week's tour to an end. Next week, we're going to dive back into the timeline, possibly for the final time as we pick up in 2005 and maybe bring it to 2021. Don't know. I'm not done writing it. I need to give all of you a big shout out for hanging with this podcast to this point. We are the little engine that could. We're gaining listeners every week, and this little dream of mine continues to grow and grow. As always, check us out on Facebook at Role Playing History Podcast. Hit us up on Twitter at Role Playing History Podcast, or use the hashtag Role Playing History Podcast. The YouTube channel is up and running, Role Playing History Podcast. Check it out, hit the subscribe button, and click on the bell to get alerts when we post updates. And there are two things that are on there that you cannot get if you just follow the podcast. So, nudge, nudge, check it out. Also, our email is roleplayinghistorypodcast at gmail.com. Quick shout out to Matt Colville of MCDM Productions. Also has his uh, Running the Game series on YouTube. Again, I, I shouted him out uh, earlier to talk about his stuff, but I like to shout him out again just, just because I can. And reminding you guys, next week we get back to the timeline. Cross our fingers, we might finish it. And after all of this that we've done, you're not going to want to miss that. So until next week, I'm Wayne Davis, and you're role-playing history.